You are listening to the Thoughts from a Page podcast, which is a member of the Evergreen Podcasts Network. My name is Cindy Burnett, and I love to talk about books with anyone and everyone. While listening to my podcast, you will hear author interviews, behind-the-scenes conversations about various aspects of the publishing world, theme discussions with other book lovers, and more. For more book recommendations and a complete list of all of my interviews, check out my website, thoughtsfromapage.com, and follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Thoughts From a Page. In 2022, I would love for you to join my Patreon group. I offer at least two bonus episodes a month and a monthly advanced read and pre-publication author chat. For those on Facebook, I host a special Patreon Facebook group where we all chat books. Thanks so much to those who already participate, and I hope you will consider joining us. Today, I am chatting with writing duo Jema Fixen and Regina Saroy, who together make up Audrey Blake. We are talking about their latest book, The Surgeon's Daughter. Audrey Blake has a split personality because she is the creative alter ego of Jema and Regina, two authors who met as finalists at a writing contest and have been writing together happily ever since. They share a love of history, nature, literature, and stories about fabulous women. Both are prairie girls. Jema hails from Alberta, Canada, and Regina calls the wheat fields of Kansas home. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Don't you know that you're a grown-up? I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. All right, I think that was good enough. I, I hope so, man. I'm tired. <laughs> Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? Right. I, I, I've never done it. Right. <laughs> Welcome, Jema and Regina. How are you two doing today? Doing wonderful. Thank you. Really well. Thanks, Cindy. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm so glad you're both here. And you guys write together as Audrey Blake. And I can't wait to talk more about that because I read your first book, The Girl in His Shadow, and I loved it. And I just finished The Surgeon's Daughter, and I also loved it. So I'm really excited to ask you all sorts of questions about the writing process, how you decided to write together, and the books. Well, thank you. We're so glad you liked it. There's really nothing better to hear than that someone enjoyed our stories, and we appreciate it so much. Absolutely. Well, why don't we start out with one of you telling me a little bit more about The Surgeon's Daughter for those that won't have read it yet. Well, The Surgeon's Daughter is a story that takes place in the mid-1840s in London, Victorian England, and it is set in a real scientific world, but we use fictional characters. And it is one woman's quest to join the medical field. She is raised by a brilliant doctor who is modeled after after really famous doctors of the day. And she wants to take her place and show the world what she knows. And that is a complete impossibility because it is illegal at the time. And there is no place for her to take. The world has not made a place for her yet. And so she's going to have to force her way in. And so it's a story about her journey. And it's a story about 
the medical world. And there's an exciting subplot of the discovery of anesthesia, which happened right in the year that we're covering, which is just an amazing and fascinating discovery in the scientific world. I thought that part was absolutely fascinating, and I really enjoyed learning a little bit more about it and how it was administered at first, when it was safer, when it wasn't. I really enjoyed that aspect of the story. So did we. It was fascinating to research. I bet it was. And just crazy to think about women, and of course this was a while ago, but still the fact that women weren't allowed to be doctors or surgeons and that men were so repulsed by it almost, and so offended that that women were trying to step into their world. It's just a little hard to think about in today's world. Yeah, it was considered such an ugly world. If you think of surgery before anesthesia, it's not a pretty sight. It was pretty gory and bloody. It took a lot of strength, and it really was not considered a woman's world. Like what type of woman would choose that for herself? And so I think that's what men were repulsed by is they thought there just could not be a proper woman who would want to be a part of that world of pain and suffering and blood and gore. And I don't think they ever saw it as a woman wanting to be a part of the world of healing. They just saw the more masculine side of it, and they did not see the contributions that women had to make to the world of science and healing. I think that's a good point. And you have a section of the book where they're at a party, and somebody is wanting to ask more questions of Nora about what she does. And then people are like, this is not polite conversation. So I think those things weren't really discussed in public or in, you know, depending on who you're with in society in that era, too. So it was a very different time. Yes, very different. Well, let's talk a little bit about the writing process. How did you guys decide to write together? What does it look like when you write together? Like who does what? This was new for both of us. We've never done collaborative writing before, but we've been quite close critique partners with each other for some years. And so one weekend I was visiting Regina in Kansas. We were attending a a writing conference together. And Regina said uh, she'd been reading books about the discovery of anesthesia and 19th century medicine, and she was completely consumed by it. And she wanted to write a book about it. And so she just said, let's write a book about this. And I said, okay, but not in first person. And I mean, there's no one other than Regina that I would say that to, but it was such an easy thing to say yes to because we knew each other's writing so well. We have a really complementary skill set, and I think that's what made us really ideal critique partners for each other. And Regina had also kind of sneakily, I think, left one of these books that had inspired her on the nightstand when I came to stay. So I had started reading the first few chapters, and so I just found it as absorbing as Regina did. It was enthralling. It was easy to be obsessed about. And how do you break out who does what? I mean, do you both research? Do you both write? Do you write together? Do you write alternating chapters? What does that whole process look like? Everyone we have spoken to says that we do it very differently than they have heard other authors do it. We both research everything. Uh, We try to create this hive mind where we both know as much as we can about the subject. And then what happens is 
we try and just write chronologically. We try to map out what scenes we know are going to happen. And then one of us starts and then we hand that document over to the other person. She puts it in editing mode and just treats it as if she had written it and she were editing her own work. Just a sentence out here, a word out here, a new paragraph here, sends it back. And again, we just treat it like it's our own work. I don't like that word. I do like this one. Ooh, that gave me a great idea. I'm going to add another sentence. And so there is no delineation. There's no page that I can say that's Jama's page. There's no paragraph that she can say that's Regina's paragraph. We've both touched every sentence of the book. What sentence she starts, I finish and vice versa. Does that ever cause problems for the two of you? Do you have disagreements or for the most part, is it a pretty smooth process? For the most part, it's a pretty smooth process. We understand each other really well. Once in a while, and again, this is very once in a while, we have something that we both feel strongly should be, you know, I like it this way, you like it that way. And we basically talk about why we want it that way. And usually by that point, we could, once we've explained to the other what we're going for, we find um, a reason, but we understand what the value is in doing it. And if we don't find that, which maybe has happened once or twice, yeah, then we go with whoever cares the most. Yes. If you feel the strongest, then you're going to win on that one. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That makes sense. I mean, and I would assume that kind of balances out over time. It really does. It really does. I can think of one particular metaphor that I was really hesitant about in the surgeon's daughter, but Regina was like, no, I think we need this one. So I was like, okay, I trust you. We'll do it. (laughs) But we had talked about it for quite a while. And it was just interesting because when it came back from our editors, there was like smiley faces. Oh, this is beautiful. And it was like, I'm so glad that Regina is my (laughs) writing partner (laughs) because we both see things that the other one didn't see. And I didn't see that one. I was hung up on semantics and was like, maybe we're asking the reader to stretch their mind a little too much, but I was wrong and it totally worked. And I think that's a good explanation of our partnership is we both can do some things that the other can't. And so I'm just really grateful that we can do stuff together because we truly do make a better story together than we do apart, I think. Uh, I agree. So do you consider this a series or do you consider them standalone books about the same character? And are you going to continue to write about Nora? I've always considered it a series because it just Whereas you can pick up one and it will stand alone, I think it gets richer and richer as you continue the story and as you know the characters better. And we have hopes to do a third book someday, but right now we're in the middle of a completely different standalone, so it will have to wait. But we have more to say about Nora and Horace and Daniel and their world. You writing the standalone together? Yes. Okay, good. Later on, we can talk a little bit about that. That's fun. So you get decently graphic when you're writing about cesarean sections. How was that for you? Writing the graphicness is kind of interesting to me because when I'm writing it, I don't feel the ooh factor as I'm writing it. Because by the time we're writing it, we've probably watched a few YouTube videos of a a similar surgery as we can get. 
once we had video technology. Uh, we've read, you know, probably a dozen case studies at the time describing it, which is actually sometimes really annoying because they'll say like, and we closed it up in the usual way. Like, what's the usual way? <laughs> and you included that in your book, which I thought was great. Obviously, you can tell I was like, <laughs> let my own frustration leak out into the text there. But so writing it, I, I feel so immersed in it at the time. You're getting a job done. So I think, I hope I can enter into Nora or Horace's mind and be thinking about it the way they would. Myself, I'm completely different. You know, I'm not a doctor, but I am an occupational therapist. And as part of my schooling, we did have to do a whole musculoskeletal cadaver dissection. And I had come into that class really excited to learn. And, you know, it's such a privilege to have that opportunity. So I was really looking forward to it. And I found it intensely traumatic. It was so hard. And I was so glad to be done with that class. And I much preferred to study out of the lab with my illustrated textbooks. The visceral experience of it was harder than I could have ever imagined. But I think filtering myself through the lens of another person makes it much easier. I can't even imagine. I'm so squeamish that the idea of, you know, standing there over a dead body and then having to watch things happening to it, ugh, I couldn't even... <laughs> I could not do that, but I didn't mind reading it in your book. And the parts that I found a little squeamish, I just went right over quickly. And that's the beauty of reading is you can kind of skim over parts if you're worried about them being too graphic. Absolutely. And I totally do that too. Anytime, I mean, I don't read a lot of horror, but anytime I do, if it's like really scary or gory, I'm like, you know, there's like a fan of breeze as I'm flipping the pages to get past it. Yes. And I definitely didn't find it like that where I had to get past a lot. But there were a couple of times I was like, you know what? I've been through a couple of these surgeries myself. I don't really need to go great in depth and just kind of skipped a couple sentences or so, you know. Mm -hmm. And the idea of not doing that with anesthesia, like when you were talking about Nora, the, the woman doctor that she's working with in Italy was doing those procedures without anesthesia. I was like, oh my gosh. It boggles the mind. It truly does. I have no idea how people could handle it anytime I have anything medical that is remotely uncomfortable. I want the full, <laughs> the full dose, please. I'm the exact same way. Well, what surprised each of you the most about writing this book? You want to start this time, Regina? Um, I think what surprised me the most was how alive the journey felt for me to go with her to Bologna and to walk those streets with her and to be in those places with her. My family hails from Italy and my brother lived in Italy for two years. And my grandmother was from Italy. So it was really a special experience for me, even just in my mind, to walk through those halls with her and get to honor that country as a place that was a forefront for possibilities for women. When the rest of the world said it was not possible, Italy said, well, you can study here. <laughs> and they just didn't have the same restrictions that the rest of the world did. So I was really surprised at how personal the journey felt to me. Oh, that's really interesting. And yes, it is a little surprising, I think, when you think about, okay, what country would be on the forefront of that? 
For some reason, Italy was a little surprising to me. Did you guys find it that way? Well, it does because often, I think we often have this idea in our modern world that somehow religion and science are fighting each other, that they're at war with each other. And so we think a culture as steeped in Catholicism and religion as Italy, that maybe they would be much more traditional or patriarchal, but they they weren't. And not that they weren't at all, but they they had some really open minds when it came to some of the roles of women, which I think surprise us and maybe tell us that we might not have the right ideas about everything all of the time. Sometimes the world surprises us. Well, and to not be so quick to judge just because certain countries share similarities doesn't mean everything is going to be the same in every country, which is a great lesson across the board. Yes. So what do you hope your readers take away from this book? I hope when readers finish this book that they feel wiser. I hope that they feel like all of the research that we did and did our best to condense it into a really digestible and memorable story. I hope they walk away feeling like that belongs to them as if they had done the research themselves and as if now they know this world that they didn't know before. I I want to package up this knowledge that changed my life and I want someone else to walk away with it and own it themselves. Oh, I love that. What about you, Jema? I read to feel other people's feelings. And so I hope that readers come away with having had those emotional experiences of fighting to save the life of a woman who needs a life-saving surgery and the feeling of victory after butting your head against social obstacles. I know there's a lot of change that still needs to happen in our world today, but when I think about Nora's life and how much progress has been made in opportunities for women, the fact that So much progress has been made there, I think, is inspiring that we can continue to change in other areas so that we can, everyone can have better opportunities. And these things that are so baffling to us, you know, it was so mind boggling to read about how in England, you couldn't get a loan, you couldn't, you know, it was, you know, not even that long ago that a woman couldn't get her own credit card. And we've come so far and that seems so foreign to us. You know, I hope some days the things that are just as terrible, someday seem as foreign and strange. I think that's exactly right, that we have made so much progress in some areas and we have a long way to go in others. But it's encouraging when you do see the progress we've made because we know we can do it elsewhere as well then. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's interesting how much drama there is around C-sections. I had a, a standard birth for my first child. Then I couldn't have another, I couldn't birth another baby that way. So my next two were C-sections. And I just think when people would ask me about it and some people would have such strange responses. And I've just always found it interesting that there is so much drama related to C-sections. Did you guys find that as well? Yeah. To me, it seems, it just seems like a simple idea, right? If we, if we cannot have a child in a typical way, we need to find a safe way to have that child. There's no option, right? You can't, you can't keep it in forever. It just seems like it's very 
intuitive to me that we need another way when when one way is closed. So yes, I think there is a lot of drama about it. But one of the things that I just loved about focusing Nora on the cesarean section is that surgery was a man's world. And especially experimental dangerous surgeries like internal surgeries. This is the beginning of internal surgery. Internal surgery really wasn't heard of until anesthesia was possible. It was incredibly rare and and not successful. And even after anesthesia, it took a long time for people to say, yes, we can actually go inside the body to the organs. That's a brand new idea in this day and time. So that was a man's world, but childbirth is a woman's world. And that had historically been a woman's world, women helping women to have babies. We weren't yet in this idea where a woman goes to a hospital and a man births her baby. It was it was a woman's world still. And so I love that joining of making Nora a bridge between the scientific club of the man's world of surgery and the female maternal club of women and childbirth. And I just thought that was such a fascinating dynamic to have her stand on both sides and be a bridge. I agree completely. And I think it's so interesting to read about this in your book in terms of it being new to go inside the body, because to us, that's so common and obviously happens regularly. And so it's such a novel thing in the story, and it was really interesting to be reading about it as it was new and on the forefront versus something we just take for granted. And then you talk in your author's note about how antibiotics made a big difference, because even though they could now go into the body, once you had infection, there wasn't a great way to stop the infection. So it was, I just felt like I learned a ton. Yes. Germs went into the body with you. Right. Yes, exactly. And that still happens no matter how hard they try. But at least the antibiotics can take care of getting the germs out. Yeah. Well, what about your beautiful, beautiful cover? I love it. And we didn't choose the cover for this one or the surgeon's daughter, but, and maybe this is just a little silly, but so many historical fiction books have women facing away. So you just see their back. And so I love that the designers at Sourcebooks full times gave us a woman not facing away. And I... I like the symbolism of that. Nora is someone who's forward thinking and she's looking forward and she's looking ahead. And the women that we modeled her on were standard bearers for other women. They they made it possible for the next women to come after and go further. Well, I'm so glad you mentioned the women facing away because that was actually going to be my next comment was that is one of those things that just drives me insane. And I frequently talk about it. So I was so happy to see Nora looking at us or at least looking forward, not backward. So I think it makes a huge difference. And it's just nice that I think slowly but surely, hopefully that cover choice is going away because I'm seeing less of it, still seeing it, but seeing less of it. It is ubiquitous, isn't it? Yes. That's a much better word. Thank you. And I like that the scalpel's on there too. Ooh, I do too. (laughs) We did ask for that specifically. I saw it on your Instagram account on your author event graphic. And I was like, oh, that's so great. And then I went back and looked. I'm like, oh, it's actually on the cover. I just hadn't noticed it initially. And I think that's outstanding. We don't, you know, design our covers ourselves, obviously. And what happens is we get a cover and then they ask for our suggestions. And so, but we did specifically ask for the scalpel. It was important. And I'd love the 
the line drawing on top of the, the picture. I agree. And I like the border as well. I just feel like it all ties together very well. Well, what about what you two have read recently that you really liked? Jama, would you like to start? Sure. This year, probably my favorite book so far is a fantasy, actually, which is, you know, I don't read a lot of fantasy. Uh, so I've read the two Naomi Novik uh, Deadly Education books. And I'd read her before because I have such a weakness for fairy tale retellings. But these were really fun and kind of brought back that Harry Potter feel for me, but, you know, in an older adolescent way. And it, I just really enjoyed them. I loved the way she, the magic rules that governed her fantasy world. And I just thought it was really clever and well done. And I enjoy her writing always to begin with, but these were especially fun for me. I'm not familiar with her, but I don't read much fantasy. Yeah, me neither. My other favorite of hers is probably Binning Silver, which I read a few years ago, but it's a good one. If you feel like dabbling in fantasy, I'd say that's a a good one to try. Okay, good. That's a great recommendation. Thank you. What about you, Regina? Um, My newest book that is fresh off the presses is not fiction. It's a historical nonfiction, but it's called The Doctor's Blackwell, How Two Pioneering Sisters Brought Medicine to Women and Women to Medicine by Janice Namira. And it just came because of all of this research. So now I can't not read a good medical nonfiction. So whenever they come out, I love to grab them. And this is about two sisters that really were at the forefront just after Nora's time and here in the United States. So it's really fascinating to read about their family. And I, for me, I am a rereader. I'm constantly just rereading the things that were, you know, on our high school list of classics. (laughs) I always feel guilty when someone talks about a classic novel that I have not read. I feel like somehow I have not done justice to the world of literature. If someone's talking about a Thomas Hardy book and I'm just nodding, I'm like, I I actually haven't read that one. I feel so guilty. So I'm always reading classics, but The Doctor's Blackwell, brand new, hot off the presses. I've seen that one and it looks really good. Yeah, it is. Well, I'm thrilled to pieces that I got to talk with both of you about The Surgeon's Daughter, and I so appreciate your coming on the Thoughts from a Page podcast. Thank you so much for having us. It was really nice to be here with you. Yes, we really appreciate chatting with you. It's delightful to hear how much you enjoyed our book. And your questions were so thoughtful and thought-provoking. And now I want to go back and write in this world again. (laughs) Well, I look forward to the time that you do. Hi there. I'm Heather Drago. And I'm Sarah Saunders. We host the podcast, That's a Hard No, about saying no and setting boundaries. So you can become that true and empowered you that this world needs. Saying no isn't just okay. It's the key to living an authentic, fulfilling life. I'm a licensed professional clinical counselor. So while this podcast is in no way a replacement for one-on-one therapy, I suppose I know what I'm talking about. I'd say so. We talk about learning to say no and set healthy boundaries and how it impacts mental health, physical health, relationships, 
parenthood, and more. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and visit our website, hardknowpodcast.com. We're here to help you find your no and say it unapologetically. That's a hard no. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. If you like this episode, and I hope you did, please follow me on Instagram at Thoughts From A Page. Consider joining my Patreon group to access bonus content and support the podcast. Tell all of your friends about the show and rate it or subscribe to it wherever you listen to your podcasts. I would really appreciate it. The book discussed in this episode can be purchased at my bookshop storefront and the link is in the show notes. I hope you'll tune in next time. Are you tired of seeing your teen or young adult struggle on a path that clearly isn't the right fit? Is your teenager confused about which direction to take after high school? The future of work is changing rapidly, and our kids need to know all of the options available after high school so they're empowered to make the choice that is best for them. In each episode, we explore the latest trends that are shaping the opportunities of today and tomorrow. I'm your host, Betsy Jewell, and this is the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast.